Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast by Precept Ministries Canada. Know God deeply and live differently by studying His Word and discovering God's truth for yourself. You are listening to a series called Jesus' Message to the Seven Churches, and it goes through Revelation chapters 1 through 3. Hello everyone, it's Mark Sheldrake here, another episode of Unlocking the Truth podcast. We're working through the seven churches of Revelation, and this week's episode brings us to the end of our series in Revelation. And just before we get rolling on this week's episode, I just want to encourage you to keep listening in as we move through the next six episodes following this one, looking at discipleship. And I just want to take a moment with you to uh, encourage you in a couple of ways. One is to uh, get involved in our inductive Bible study training workshops that are coming to locations near you. I know that I've talked about this numerous times, but we're also looking for locations to host our training workshops in 2023 across Canada. So if this sparks an interest that you would like us to come and do inductive training with uh, people in your community, please give us a call, 877-234-2030, or email us at training at preceptministries.ca. Pray about this uh, over the next few weeks. Also want to challenge you to keep engaged in study. Don't just use this podcast as your only avenue of study. But get involved in a precept study, and you can find out more on our website under the online classes link or find a class near you. It's always better to engage in the scriptures with somebody else. Finally, uh, I've been talking about this a lot with our team and with uh, our Bible studies, but I want to encourage you to uh, go to thestateoftheology.com and get a uh, just a glimpse of what is happening in the world of theology uh, in their survey of uh, American Christians and Americans in general when it comes to their belief system. And uh, just to give you an example, one of the questions asked in the survey, the Bible, like all sacred writings, contains helpful accounts of ancient myths but is not literally true. This survey is done every two years, uh, starting in 2014. And in 2014, 41% agreed that the Bible was not literal truth. But now in 2022, we are seeing an increase of the majority of those surveyed. 53% of those surveyed now believe that the Bible is not literal truth. Isn't this where our culture is headed? And this is why the alarm bells are ringing at Precept Ministries, because we believe that we have the answer to showing that God's Word is literal truth, that through observation, interpretation, and application, that you can engage in God's word, and hear God's very voice. So a challenge to you folks is if you are seeing what we're seeing in the culture, open the doors of 
your churches and ask your pastors if we can come and teach these valuable skills of inductive Bible study because we are in a battle for truth. And this week's episode, we're going to be talking about all of these things and what it means to overcome and what God shows us through these seven churches when it comes to being an overcomer. All right, without further ado, let me pray and let's kick off this uh, final podcast in the book of Revelation. Father, we do pray for this time that we have, that as we listen in uh, on this podcast, as we uh, hear your very words coming from the scriptures, that today they would not fall on deaf ears, but we would be challenged by what we are, are seeing in the Word of God. And I pray, Lord, that uh, we would continually be reminded that we are overcomers. So we pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, one of the greatest Christian movies uh, that I really have enjoyed is the one called Overcomer. Have you heard the lyrics of the theme song of this Overcomer uh, movie? If not, take a listen for a minute and just hear what uh, uh, Mandisa uh, is singing about. You're an overcomer, folks. I every time I hear that that song, I begin to think about that movie with uh, the young girl who is running uh, cross country for her high school team. All the things that she had to overcome, and man, oh man, is it a tearjerker! I'm not going to ruin that movie for you. If you haven't seen it, you need to go check it out. But it's all about overcoming. These difficult circumstances, even the video that Mandisa has online for this song is filled with stories of like those people who are fighting cancer and getting to ring the bell at the end of the the uh, cancer um, treatments and overcoming some very difficult circumstances in life. And, and that is the focus of what we're going to be covering 
this morning and through our time uh, in the Word. And before we get into, I want to define what an overcomer is, but I want to, I want to review, I, I want to review with you uh, where we have come uh, so far in the previous episodes, uh, specifically looking at the churches. Uh, Ephesus was known as the backsliding church. Uh, Smyrna was known as the suffering church. Pergamum was the worldly church. Sardis was the dying church. Uh, Philadelphia was the serving church. And then Laodicea was the lukewarm or the apostate church. All of these churches they had some uh either you know things that they were doing well or some reproofs that they needed to have uh turn around but at the end of each one of these letters god has uh in his message of the revelation to john he has this statement and the statement is found in all seven letters and that's where we want to start And within these seven letters, he says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. All right, and so what we've got here is we've got Jesus giving what he's seen through the x-ray in these churches. And he's spoken to all seven of these churches. We've looked at that over the last uh, seven episodes, and now we're looking closer. But this he who has an ear, let him hear. It is a call for us not just to listen to these words, but it's also a call for us to heed and take action. All right, so we are to hear what is being said. So what what did Jesus tell us in the x-ray? We're to look at that. We're to be challenged by that. And then we are to take action. All right, so it's listen to what Jesus says and then take action on it. So if you want to be a conqueror, it takes action. All right, so we for us to be an overcomer, we're going to see more of this, but there's things that have to take place on our part. I am recording this uh, message just after Canadian Thanksgiving, and you know, in Canadian Thanksgiving, that weekend is also the weekend of one of the biggest marathons in the United States of America, and I have had the blessed opportunity to complete this marathon with over 40,000, 50,000 others uh, twice, and that is the Chicago Marathon. And the last time I ran the Chicago Marathon uh, was a weekend, uh, Canadian Thanksgiving, and the weather was awful. Uh, We ran the first 20 miles of this race in pouring rain. And my hope was that I was going to qualify for the Boston Marathon by running the Chicago Marathon because there's over 2 million people on the streets. It's quite an encouraging race to be at. And everybody yells your name because it's on the bib of your, uh, with your number on your chest. And so you just are constantly uh, pushed 
and pushed and pushed to complete the race. And, and this last race that I ran, this, is, this was my uh, 15th marathon that I completed with the Chicago Marathon. And funny enough, it actually, it's actually, was actually the last one that I have run, and that was in 20, 2018. Pouring rain, folks. My shoes were heavy, and I started to get an ankle injury because my shoes had lost all its form and its shape. And the pain that I was going through just to complete that race, it was all I could do to be able to to run. And then I started getting in the last six miles when the real race starts. I started moving from from a running pace to a, a walk run. And I kept saying in my mind, oh, you just got to run. You got to run one minute and walk one minute. And then all of a sudden it was run one minute, walk five minutes. And I kept saying to myself, no matter what, no matter what, I'm going to overcome this pain. I'm going to overcome this weather and I am going to get to the end and I'm going to get to that medal and I'm going to grab that medal and I'm going to put it around my neck and I am going to have victory at the end of this race. It's no longer about victory for the purpose of qualifying to be a part of the the most well-known race in the world. This was just becoming a moral victory for me, something that within my own heart and mind, I could say, you know what? Under all of the adversity that I faced in that Chicago Marathon, I finished that race and I finished it in a way that I could be proud. Well... (laughs) Let me tell you, at the end of that race, I actually collapsed at the finish line. I just couldn't walk on that ankle anymore. And then you have to walk over a kilometer and a half to get to the next part where your family and friends are. And this time, I I didn't have any family with me. I just had another guy running the race with me. And we lost the car and wandered around Chicago for another five, six kilometers because The weather had just destroyed us. But the feeling, folks, the feeling that I had that at the end of that, the the reward for me was was somebody I had no idea who they were putting that medal around my neck and saying, oh, thank you. I can't believe this is finished. I may never run another marathon again. This was the most painful thing that I have ever gone through, but I overcame it. I overcame all of the pain. I came overcame the suffering and I got to the end. And at the end of that time, I said, you know, maybe I should try Ironmans. <laughs> I don't I don't know what I was thinking. It's kind of crazy. But the idea of an overcomer. All right. So let me just give you that that definition. And it comes uh, from the Greek Nikeo, which is so cool because that's where uh, the company Nike gets their name. Nike comes from the Greek Nikeo, which means victory. And so maybe that's why we all like wearing Nike shoes so much. But it comes from the word victory, and it means to conquer and prevail. It means to gain a victory over something. The Apostle John, when he wrote Revelation, uh, he you he's one of the only ones that have used this word in all of his writings. All right, other than Jesus, who used these words, he used the word nikeo in Luke 
chapter 11, verse 22, and it's also found in Romans chapter 3, 4. Uh, but John is the only New Testament writer to use this word. And I want to look at this word because when we see as far as the, the overcomer, this, this one to gain victory, let's look at what John had to say uh, when, he, when he defined this word overcomer. And the first place we're going to go to is 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. All right, so 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. Whoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. He who has overcome the world, but he who believes in Jesus, believes that Jesus is the Son of God. All right, so the first thing that he defines as an overcomer is one who has faith, one who ha- believes in Jesus, that Jesus is the Son of God. And when we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, we know that we are promised uh, eternal life, that we have moved from a position of facing wrath into being a child of God. So we are now a victor. We now have victory over the world. Let's look at what John tells us again. All right. So uh, we have victory over the world. And listen to what John tells us in his gospel, John chapter 16, uh, verse 33, concerning uh, Jesus. Listen to what Jesus says. Uh, And what John records in his gospel in John chapter 16, verse 33, he says, The things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace in the world. Uh, You have tribulation. Uh, In the world you'll have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. So John chapter first, John chapter four and five tell us that in Jesus we have overcome the world. Why? Because Jesus overcomes the world. All right, so let's go back to 1 John and keep keep an eye on this overcomer topic. And here's what John tells us we've also overcome. And he tells us in 1 John chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. And I have written to your children because you know my father. I have written to you fathers because you know him who has been from the beginning. I've written to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Did you hear it? Twice John tells us that we have overcome as victors through Jesus Christ, we have overcome the evil one. All right, listen to what we're also told. All right, so 1 John chapter 4, uh, verses 1 to 6. There's another reference to what we have overcome or victory over. All right, so 1 John chapter 4, uh, verses 1 to 6. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ 
has come in the flesh is from God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And that is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming and is now already in the world. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And so what else have we overcome? We have overcome the spirit of the Antichrist in false prophets. These are the things that we've overcome. We are victors because we are children of God. We are victors over the world. Why? Jesus overcame the world. We are victors over the devil. Why? Because Jesus is greater. Jesus is more powerful. We are greater. We have great victory, and we are in this place of victory as overcomers because the spirit of the Antichrist, the false prophets, don't overtake us. They don't overtake us that we know the difference between what is true in God's word and what is false that is coming through the world. You see, everything that surrounds this idea of overcomer is going to come out of what we know is truth and what we know is promised through God's very voice. This is why the word of God needs to be at the center of everything we say and do. This is why when we look at the state of theology survey and we see that there's a decline in people believing in the literal truth of God's word, that this is what, how we're going to see that people are not going to be able to overcome. They're not going to be victorious because they're letting all of the philosophies and all of the influences of the world penetrate their heart and begin to question whether God's word is really God's very voice. Uh, this is so important. This is why when we do the workshop, how the Bible fits together, we have added in the beginning of this workshop the importance of the inerrancy of Scripture, that God is without error. I've spoken about it on this podcast before. I've shown G uh, Jesus view of the scriptures in God's word so that we can know that what we are looking at is the very voice of God and that when God promises what he has in his word, when we see these promises to the overcomers of these seven churches, we can sit back and we can go, <laughs> to him who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says. Not just hear, heed and obey and take action. Uh, we see in the book of Revelation, there are other mentions of overcomers, and I want to just look at a couple of these before we go, because there are uh, distinct promises in the book of Revelation that if you keep studying through Revelation, there are promises to overcomers, and this, let's look at Revelation chapter 12, uh, verse 11. Uh, it says, um, Verse 10, let's start there. I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and authority 
of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren have been thrown down. He who accuses them before our God day and night. And they, uh, the saints, overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb. And because of the word of their testimony, they did not love their life even when they faced death. This right here is about believers in the, the tribulation times who will overcome the devil uh, because of their testimony in what they believe. Uh, here's another one, Revelation chapter 17, uh, verses 12 uh, to 14. Revelation chapter 17, 12 to 14. Uh, in verse 11, the beast was was and is not of himself, is also an eighth and is one of the seven who goes to destruction. Oh man, if you're studying the book of Revelation like right now, that's going to be some fun verses to look at. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have yet received a kingdom, but they receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. These have one purpose, and they give their power and authority to the beast. These kings will wage war against the lamb, and the lamb will overcome them because he is the Lord of lords and king of kings, and those who are with him are the called and chosen and faithful. Jesus, the Lamb of God, will overcome. He will conquer the beast and the ten kings. Why? Because he is the king of kings. Let's look at Revelation chapter 21, verses 2 to 8. Uh, and I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. From God was made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among him. He'll wipe away every tear from his, their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning, crying, or pain because the first things have passed away. He who sits on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. And he said, Write for these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, John, it is done. I'm the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. I give to the one who thirsts from the spring of water of life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, immoral persons, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their part will be in the lake of fire, from a fire and brimstone, which is the second death. There is a future promise, the new heaven, the new earth. It tells us that this wonderful new creation, the new heaven and the new earth, it is promised for the overcomers, the conquerors, they will inherit this. These are part of the promises that we are about to look at in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. And all we have to do, folks, is we've got to hang on. We've got to overcome. We've got to conquer through. We've got to press forward through. I know that even for myself, I have sat here and thought as I looked at the state of theology uh, survey. As I look at what's happening 
in our world as sexual sin is worshipped and praised. As I see this battle for truth going on, there can be great discouragement in it. But folks, I have studied through the book of Revelation four or five times now. I love the book of Revelation. I love all the promises that come from Jesus in the Gospels. I love how Paul challenges us to live a life that is in pursuit of Jesus Christ and his glory. And I know the end and I know what happens at the end and you know what happens at the end. And it is the very fact that Jesus wins. And so when we know that Jesus wins because we have been washed in the blood of Christ, we win. And so we just need to persevere until we receive that victory. (laughs) that's the thing. That's why Paul compared it to a running race. Maybe that's why I like Paul so much is because he compared it to the athletic moment of running the race. We've just got to run the race. And what is the pursuit? The pursuit and the prize is Christ likeness. Go back and listen to the podcast on the book of Philippians and you will see all these things. So I want to walk through uh, in the next few minutes Uh, all of the churches, and I want to look at these promises that were laid out for each of these churches. And we're going to do that by asking the following questions. We're going to ask, what was it that the church needed to overcome? How was the church going to overcome this? And what is the overcomer going to be given? Or what will be the end result of gaining that victory? All right, so we're going to fly through these churches. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about some of these promises and how they relate to other scriptures, but it will be a quick, quick walkthrough and hopefully a good review for you folks as we wrap out this uh, series in Revelation. All right, the church in Ephesus, we called that the backsliding church. What did they have to overcome? They had to overcome the very fact that they had left or abandoned their first love. All right, and that was found in Revelation chapter 2 in the first eight verses. And we're not going to look at all of those things again, but here's how they were going to do it. They were told to remember from where they had fallen. They had to look back on where they were before they abandoned their first love. They were to repent. They were to take a 180 and turn from what they were doing. They were to do the deeds that they were doing at first. Remember what was driving them to to do what they needed to do. And then, oh, there is an important one here. They were challenged not to grow weary, to keep running the strong race, to keep doing what they were doing. And these were the ways in which they were going to do it. And so, When they were going to overcome, this is what I want to draw our attention to. He who has an ear, verse 7, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. All right, so we can go back And it's very interesting. We're not going to be able to to draw a lot of attention to this, but uh, take if you can take and participate in the How the Bible Fits Together workshop, you will see this 
so very clear that Moses in Genesis, when he wrote Moses, he draws attention to two trees. He draws attention to the tree of life and to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And we see that as Adam and Eve are in the garden, they have access to the tree of life. Uh, it tells us that Adam and Eve could only eat, not eat from one tree, and that was the tree of good and evil. But they had access to eat from the tree of life. And so when they were banished from the garden because of Genesis chapter 3, when man was put out of the garden, they had no longer had access to the tree of life. But in Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 and 2, this is, this is the mind-blowing part of seeing how God's word all fits together. In, in chapter 22, uh, Then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear and crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. And then we see in chapter, in verse uh, 14, Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates of the city. Uh, and then it tells us in verse 19, If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of of life. And so what we have here is we have this promise from Jesus, overcome, gain victory, keep doing, go back to what you were doing at first, go back to when you didn't abandon your first love, persevere to the end and endure in Jesus' name. Don't grow weary, keep going, no matter what's happening around you, press forward, keep your eyes on the prize, because one day you will enter the new heavens and the new earth. You will be in the paradise of God and you will be given the right to eat from the tree of life. Uh, this is absolutely amazing. This is the promise of eternal life. Uh, do you see do you see this? That is the set the stand that's one of the first building blocks of of this whole series on promising to be an overcomer is one of the promises. What is it? When you overcome, when you gain victory over the world, because Jesus had victory over the world, when you persevere and endure in Jesus' name and you don't grow weary and you do the deeds that you are called to do, all of these things that when you work and live a life for the glory of Jesus Christ, you will receive eternal life. All right, let's look at the, the next church, Smyrna, the suffering church. Uh, this church was going through great tribulation and suffering. We saw when we did this episode that people were even dying for their faith in Jesus Christ. And the promise, the, the how are they going to overcome? How are these people going to overcome? Well, they're not going to fear suffering. Uh, they are going to be faithful to Jesus Christ until death. He says in verse 10, Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Uh, be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. All right, so this is uh, interesting 
topic of conversation, and we've brought this up before, but we, we're in this culture that we're facing right now that if we as believers, we speak out against the agendas of the world, we face this cancel culture, we face all of these difficulties. Well, tune into the discipleship episodes, and we're going to see what Jesus tells his disciples, that we're, go- we're going to be hated because of the things that we uh, stand for and speak about. The gospel is an offensive message, and people are not going to like us because, of course, Jesus was not liked either. Uh, the gospel is countercultural. And so when we are going to boldly live for Jesus and speak for Jesus, we are going to suffer. And we have to be willing that if it came to it, would we be willing to die for the name of Jesus? And he tells us here that uh, we'll be given the crown of life, but he says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. Oh, this is absolutely amazing. It's although some of us might die. We see this in the world today that there are people who are dying for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But there's the saying, folks, live once or die once, live twice. I can't remember the saying. I don't know. It's it's gone from my mind. But the reality is that when we die, our physical bodies, when when we die from this life that we have, uh, we will live again. Revelation chapter 20, verse 14 tells us what this second death is. The second death, let's just look at it. Revelation chapter 20, verse 14, the Death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. Uh, this is the second death. The lake of fire is the second death. Everyone who's not in the book of life will go into the lake of fire. Those who have eternal life, those who have the crown of life, will not be hurt by the second death. These are the ones who are children of God. This doesn't only apply to this church. This also applies to us. It's for all believers. All who overcome will not be hurt by the second death, the lake of fire. Why? Because the promise of the first church, if we overcome, we will be in the paradise of God, taking part in the tree of life. So what do we do? We think about this, this suffering church, suffer well. Suffer well by not fear, being fearful of suffering. Be faithful to Jesus and his name, even to death. And if you do that, you will not experience the second death. Let's look at the next church, Pergamum, which is the worldly church. Each one of these is going to draw in even closer to the culture that we're in right now. This This church was the church that was facing false teaching. They were influenced uh, by the enemy, and they were caused to fall into immorality. And here's what Jesus said. Here's how you overcome. All right, he tells us, 
I, I know where you dwell in Satan's throne, and you hold fat, and you hold fast my name, and did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my witness, my faithful one, who was killed among you, where Satan uh, dwells. He tells us a couple things there. He says, "Hold fast to the name of Jesus, and don't deny his faith." All right, so this is absolutely important is to hold fast, stand firm, be immovable. How do you do that in a world like we're living in today? Well, it's very simple. I mean, it always comes back to the most simplest of things. And this is where it becomes most painful for some of us because it is so simple. And the simplicity of it, are you ready? is be in God's word. How do you hold fast to the name of Jesus? How do you become immovable? You build yourself up in the truth of God's word. You remember the promises that he has. You put yourself in God's word each and every day. And the problem is that where we are in the world today, we have everything pulling and dragging us away from that simple answer. We hear it from the pulpit. You got to be in God's word. We hear it every, we hear it in the podcast. We hear it wherever we are. We hear people tell us that in our online classes. The answer is to be in the word. But every time we hear of that answer, we hear people and people email us and they tell us, that every time I encounter a believer and want to invite them to engage in God's word, they tell me they don't have time. Is the church becoming a social club? Is the church becoming so focused on the things that are so not vitally important, like the word of God and being in it each and every day, that when we have these things, that when we hear all these philosophies and these other influences and these false teachers, we just don't know enough of God's word to be able to counteract and hold fast. You might say to yourself, what are you talking about? That can't be true. Well, the state of theology shows me exactly that. Because if people are saying that they do not believe in the inerrancy of Scripture, they're allowing all the worldly influences to, to overcome them. Why? They're not in the Word of God. Because if you were in the Word of God each and every day, and you were digging in deep, observe, interpret, and apply, I'm telling you right now that God's Word would come alive and that there would be such a hunger for you to participate and dig into the Scriptures that you would actually uh, dig out and, and put time in and in your schedule. You, you would do that because you just couldn't get enough. Right now, I'm digging into the book of Isaiah, and it's so wonderful to be a student in a class. I haven't done that for so long, but man, I can't put Isaiah down. I'm just so encouraged, and yet it seems so... Uh, there seems to be not a lot of hope, but there is hope in the book of Isaiah. But I just can't stop flipping the pages and studying and studying and seeing what, what God is unpacking for us in that wonderful prophetic book. We've got to be in the Word of God. Look at the promise that he says, hold fast. 
Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to him who, who overcomes. I will give him some hidden manna. I'll give him a white stone and a name written on the stone, which no one knows but he who receives it. Uh, hidden manna, that's pretty cool. That's uh, provisions from God. Uh, that was only for his people in the book of Exodus, and they were to gather that every uh, for six days, and on the, on the sixth day there was enough to gather for the Sabbath day. All right, and so uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8 tells us that the true church, that the church lives by everything which comes from God's mouth, which is his word. And then John chapter 6, Jesus compares to himself to bread, and he says that he is the bread of heaven. That he says, if you are a partaker of the true bread, you will live forever. You see, we're, we're coming down to the promises. They keep repeating themselves. It's about eternal life. It's about being in the paradise of God. It's, it's about having not being hurt by the second death. And this white stone, as it symbolized in the time of the people in Israel, it was an admission ticket to a very special event. If you didn't have that white stone, you were not given admission to this event. And Jesus is telling us that this white stone, it is our admission into the kingdom of God. And only those who have that white stone will be able to enter and that means there will be those unbelievers who are on the outside. Do you see it? Do you see the, do you see the importance of overcoming being a, a victor? It's all about eternal life. All right, let's look at the church at Tyatira. And the church at Tyatira, this was the tolerant church. They were tolerating uh, the world. All right, so... Let's see what the prom the uh, what they were to overcome. They were to overcome the false prophets who lead it uh, lead people into immorality, and they were tolerating it. And this is what he said: Don't, don't tolerate false teachers. Uh, he, he says in verse 24, uh, I say to you, the rest of you who do not hold this teaching, uh, who have not known the deep things of Satan, as they call, I place no, no burden, on, burden on you. Uh, don't tolerate the teaching. Hold fast and persevere in my name. All right, so uh, let's look at what the promise is for the one who holds fast. Verse 26, he who overcomes uh, and he who keeps my deeds until the end, I will give authority over the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron as a vessel of the potter are broken to pieces as I've also received authority from my father. So what is given to the overcomers? Authority. Authority is given to rule over the nations with a rod of iron. Uh, we also see that the promise of the morning star. 
uh, in in this passage, we we see that Jesus he quoted Psalm two, uh, and it says that the nations, and this is something that I hang on to all the time, the nations will devise and they will scheme and they will plan, but God sits on His throne and He laughs at their plans, that He that the King will rule over them and He will break them with a rod of iron. So the father gives authority to the son to rule, but the son gives authority to the overcomers to rule with him. I mean, this is so cool. We're going to see that in the, the, the millennial reign that we will be able to rule with Jesus. Uh, the morning star uh, Revelation chapter 22, verse 16. This is the other, the promise. Uh, Revelation twenty-two sixteen. 16. He tells that we learn who the morning star is. And listen to what John says. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify the things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David. I'm the bright morning star. Uh, Peter also references the morning star in chapter two. In chapter two of uh, or chapter one of Second Peter, he tells us that it is important for us to pay attention uh, to the prophetic word. So we have the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention to as a lamp shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your heart. Pay attention to God's word. And what, what Peter is referring to in 2 Peter chapter 1 is we are to pay attention to the prophetic word. Pay attention to God's word until Jesus returns. All right, so this is the promise that we will have. We, we are to pay attention to the word. We're, we're going to rule with Jesus when he returns. All right, so let me just give you a quick uh, recap of these promises so far. Uh, eating from the tree of life in the paradise of God. We're not going to be hurt by the second death. We're going to receive hidden manna and a white stone with a new name on it. We're going to have uh, authority over to rule over the nations uh, with the morning star. I mean, this is absolutely amazing promises, and you've got to hang on to these. If you haven't written them down, write them down. Put them in your Bible. Don't forget them. Eternal life. You're going to rule with Jesus. You're going to have a ticket into the paradise of God, and the second death is not going to hurt you. Hmm. Absolutely amazing. Let's look at the next church, uh, Sardis, which was uh, the dying church. What did they have to overcome? Well, they had to overcome being dead. All right, so that's pretty pretty simple. Uh, don't be dead anymore. Uh, wake up. He tells them to wake up and pay attention. All right, so that's in Revelation uh, chapter 3. So let's look what he, he tells us here at the beginning. He says, uh, wake up and strengthen the things which remain, which are about to die. I've not found your deeds completed. Well, if you go back and you look 
at this episode and listen to it again, we came to the conclusion that these people were not fully saved. They didn't have uh, the Holy Spirit. All right, and so they needed to repent. Now let's look at what is going to be given to them. All right, the promise that is to be given is that he who has an ear, uh, let him hear. He who overcomes, thus will be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life, and I'll confess his name before my Father and before his angels. All right, so what do they have to do? They have to uh, receive Jesus. They have to begin to see uh, that the deeds that they are are the fruit of their life in Jesus Christ. And with a promise is white garments. And white garments throughout the book of Revelation, as we talked about uh, in weeks past, this is the sign of salvation. The white garments are the signs of true believers in Jesus Christ. This is what uh, those white garments will be uh, worn at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so the book of life of the Lamb, all right, many have called that the Lamb's book of life. It is the ones who are on this earth, but they are written in there uh, because they have been washed in the blood of Jesus. This is the book of eternal life. And this is the, the, all the names that are in that book are the ones who are going to receive eternal life. Okay, do you, see, do you see what's happening here? It's again promises back to eternal life. We're not going to face the second death. We are going to be present with Jesus. We've got just two more churches to look through real quickly. What the church in Philadelphia had to overcome was uh, liars and the testing of the faith in the hour that was to come. Now, this is very, very important as we wrap back. How are they to do this? And this, this is what we need to remember, all right? They were to keep God's word. They were not to deny his name. Uh, they were to endure, and they were to hold fast to what you have so that no one will take their crown. And listen to what he says in verse 12. He who overcomes, I'll make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he'll not go out from it anymore. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from, uh, from God and my new name. Jesus is going to make the overcomer a pillar in God's temple. They're not going to leave that position ever again. Jesus is going to write his name, the name of his God on them, and the name of the city of God and the new Jerusalem, his new name. The word name is repeated multiple times. It's in reference here to identity. It's what we are known by. And so we're going to be known as children of God in the new heaven and the new earth. And it's going to be a, a complete position change. It's absolutely amazing. He who overcomes 
will not leave the presence of God again, and his name will be written on them. Oh, it's just absolutely amazing as we look at these promises. And let's look at the last one, which is the church of Laodicea. They had to overcome being lukewarm. They had to uh, begin to buy from Jesus. Uh, They needed to be zealous for Jesus. Uh, They needed to repent. And finally, remember the last episode we looked at, they needed to open the door to Jesus. And the promise is that the person opening the door will sit down with Jesus on his throne. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on the throne, as I also overcame and sat down with the Father on his throne. The promise to be in the presence of Jesus, the promise to sit with him at be at his right hand of his throne. Overcomers, conquerors, all Christians, we will be with Jesus. We will rule with Jesus. We will get to partake in the tree of life. We will be in the presence of Jesus forever. We will have victory over the world. We already have victory over the world. We have victory over Satan. And these are the things that we need to remember. We can't be deluded. We can't be deceived by what we're seeing happen in the world today. We're already victors. And I want you to remember this as we wrap this up, folks. Even though the race, the race is tough. The race is grueling. We see at times that we believe that the culture is completely collapsing around us, that there is no hope for the truth of the gospel to, to penetrate the hearts anymore. It, it's not true. The, the power of God is found in the gospel. In our Romans class yesterday, we were just talking about the very fact that in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, there are great things found within the gospel. The first of those things is that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. That through the gospel, Jesus has the power and the ability to save. But also in the gospel, we see that the righteousness of God is revealed. And what Paul meant by the righteousness of God is revealed is the very fact that for, for us to be able to see that we know how to be right with him, that he has the ability to make us right with him. How? Through the gospel of Jesus Christ. But man has a responsibility in this. Man's responsibility to the gospel is to believe. It is to repent of sin and believe. And we compared this. We compared this to uh, a wonderful cruise ship. I've never been on a cruise ship before. But when you look at the cruise ship, we were talking about the life ring that's on the side. And here we are with what happens when a man goes overboard and falls into the water the immediate response is to take that life ring and throw it out to the person in the water. And it's interesting that 
when the person sees that life ring in the water, they automatically know and understand that 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 life ring, all I need to do is grab onto that life ring and I won't have to kick and I won't have to try and keep my head above water anymore because that is what has grabbed me and is holding me from going under. Well, the same can be said for the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, my, my responsibility as a believer is if I see the man overboard off the side of the ship and the water is overtaking him and he's about to drown and go under, throw the ring. Throw the ring out there. Give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't have to have the most powerful presentation. I don't have to design it perfectly so that this person will be persuaded to believe in Jesus Christ through my words because it is the power of God at work in the gospel. And so I throw out the ring. What's man's what's the man's responsibility in the water? It's to believe that that ring is actually going to save them. And if they believe that that ring is going to save them, One of our students said it perfectly yesterday. They just need to reach out with their pinky. Grab onto the ring. And then what happens next? Do I pull the rope? No, I don't pull the rope. It's the power of God for salvation. God has the ability to save. He pulls the rope. He pulls the man in from the the edge of the water. He's the one that stands there and makes the man right before him. My job is to throw the ring. And folks, when we look at what we are what we are going through in our culture right now, what is the response to this as an overcomer? Where do we go from here? One, we remember that we have victory. We have victory through Jesus Christ that we will one day spend eternity with him in paradise. That we have the ticket into the new heaven and the new earth, that we've got to persevere and endure through all of the garbage that we see happening in the world and know that it is of the world, but Jesus overcame the world, so we will overcome the world. We hang on to these promises that we will endure no matter what, but as also as a part of enduring, we will continue to do the deeds that we have been commanded to do, and a part of that is to throw that life ring at every opportunity we get. The world is drowning in sin, friends. And there's no greater time than to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's no greater time for us to stand and hold firm to his word and his name, that no matter how much it is attacked, plant your feet strong in God's word. Disciple somebody else in Bible study. Challenge those who tell you they don't have time to be in God's word, to get into God's word because the promise of eternal life comes to those who overcome. We've seen through the churches all of these different circumstances of losing your first love, going through suffering, being worldly, being tolerant, a dying church of those who think they're saved but they're not saved. There's the serving church, and then there's that lukewarm church that really is that ho-hum, that, that kind of, you know, it's, you're not good and you're not bad, but you need to be for Jesus. 
This is all happening in our world. And the only answer is God's word. It is the truth of God's word found in that life ring that brings life. That brings people from a position of wrath into a position of life. Go out. Get in the battle. As Paul said to Timothy, join me in suffering for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be faithful and don't fear the suffering that may come for standing for the truth of God. Why? Because the second death isn't going to hurt you. Pursue the kingdom of God with all your heart. And our job, remember, one of the sayings I've used many times, our job is to populate heaven and plunder hell by throwing the life ring. Put the gospel out there. Don't hold it to yourself. Share it with those who are ready to hear it. And let's see God glorified in all that we do and say. Father, we do thank you for the time that you have given us again. We thank you that we are overcomers, that we will overcome the world because you have overcome the world, that we can overcome the lies of the devil because you overcame, that we will not be deceived by the false teachings that are out there because we hold fast to your name and hold fast to your word. Father, challenge us to be courageous in a culture that truly shows uh, their despise for your word. Let us not fear suffering. Let us not fear doing the deeds that you have called us to do for what, because of the way the world will react. We've already won. We see the end. We see the promises for the victor. And Lord, we hang on to those as we serve you day and day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are so grateful you joined us in today's episode of Unlocking the Truth, the podcast by Preset Ministries Canada. Visit our website, presetministries.ca, to get more details on the 2023 Holy Land Tour and be sure to register for an upcoming summer workshop, whether in person or online. You will find one that best suits where you are in your precept journey. Know God deeply, live differently.